everybody. This is Eric Krasno, and you are listening to the Plus One Podcast. I want to thank you for tuning in. Thank you for sharing the show. We've been having a lot of fun on the show and talking with a lot of great musicians. I've been getting so inspired by all the people that I've spoken to. And today we have such an incredible guest on the show. It's a huge honor to talk to Ziggy Marley today. Been a fan of his for a long time, since the Melody Maker, since Conscious Party. Um, I grew up on listening to his music and obviously his family's music. I've probably listened to Bob Marley's music more than any other artist in my life. And I hear it everywhere I go. Every country I've ever been to has played Bob Marley. He is everywhere in the world. And he's one of the greatest songwriters of all time. Um, I can always get in a better mood putting on Bob Marley's music and reggae music in general. And, uh, you know, Ziggy has not only carried on in this tradition, but really created uh, his own career and really paved the way for so many other artists, including a lot of his family members, Damian Marley, Stephen Marley, Julian Marley, and now the next generation, Skip Marley. And the family has never stopped putting out good music and good vibes and healing the world in general. This year actually marked Bob Marley's 75th birthday, and they had plans to do an extensive Marley family tour all over the country. Unfortunately, COVID stopped that from happening. But with the downtime, Ziggy went back in the studio and recorded a new album called More Family Time. It's a family record that incorporates a bunch of guest artists. It's a sequel to a record he made back in 2009. But this time he brought in Ben Harper, Sheryl Crow, Tom Morello, Buster Rhymes, and a bunch of his own family members to bring the album to life. We talk about the album and some of his creative process, and we also delve into what it was like to actually be Bob Marley's son, to be home while he was on the road, but also at certain times be able to share the stage with his dad, and what it was like to be around when his dad was creating some of these timeless songs that you and I grew up on. Since Ziggy and I spoke, we lost one of the greatest artists in reggae music, Toots Hibbert from Toots and the Maytals. Toots was one of the greatest artists I was ever around, such a powerful singer and such an incredible presence on stage. Soul Live toured with him back in 2006 and 7 all over the country. And I remember the first day walking into the venue and his voice just filled the entire place and he was holding his microphone down by his waist. Never felt such power come from a vocalist. And he was such a sweet guy, was so nice to us. And I grew up on his music. Pressure Drop, Reggae Got Soul, Funky Kingston, 5446, his version of Country Road, and so many more classics. So I wanted to take a moment to pay tribute to Toots and thank him for all of his musical contributions. And I know I'll be listening to his music as long as I live. It hurts so bad right now to lose someone like Toots, uh, especially with all the other things that are going on in the world. And I wanted to take a second to talk about voting. And I really, really encourage everyone to get out there, register to vote. Let's try to make some change. If anyone needs any more information on how to register or where to vote, go to headcount.org and they have all the information that you need there. Also wanted to give a shout out to Osiris Media. They helped me put this podcast together and have a lot of other great content. You can check it all out at OsirisPod.com. So I'm really excited to get into this interview with Ziggy. He's a really, really good dude. Um, I've gotten to work with him a few times, and he's not only a great artist, but just a very kind person and really great to work with. But before we get into the interview, let's just take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. 
He's a great songwriter, he's an activist, he's a philanthropist, and one of the greatest reggae artists of our time. I'd like to welcome today's plus one, Ziggy Marley. So tell me a little about the, about the uh, Family Time album. I know you got to work with a lot of different artists on that. Yeah, well, you know, it wasn't something that I really had planned. Um, like la- like last year after I finished touring, I didn't really think about doing a family record. But then we had a quarantine happen and, you know, all the touring got put off. Yeah. And then I was, you know, I was with my little kids and my four-year-old son, he always, he used to say Goo Goo Gaga all the time. Goo Goo Gaga, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So... You know, it, I wrote a song called Google Gaga. So he inspired me to start the process. And then I was like, yeah, I mean, maybe it's maybe I should just do a family record. Because the last record was called Rebellion Rises. And it kind of it really, relates to what's going on now anyway. Completely. So, yeah. So I didn't feel like I needed to, you know feel pressure to like oh let me sing about you know what's happening or make a statement about it through the music yeah instead my intuition told me to make a kids record and i was like well the kids need and families we need a little um a little lift a little light a little some you know something to balance the heaviness that's going on absolutely absolutely so yeah you know i kind of decided to go in that direction and while I was doing doing it, um, you know, I was thinking about, like, you know, who would be good to work with on it and have some collaboration for extend the family vibe of course, of out, out of my own immediate family. Yeah. And as the, each song came along, I was like, oh, this would be good for Angelique or this would be good for Ben or oh, this sound like a Sheryl Crow song. And so that's how we kind of reached out to people who have worked, I've worked with these guys before, so I know yeah. them from before so that's how that's how we reach out you know yeah the extended family i mean it's in your family you have so many talented musicians in your family that you could make a lot of albums <laughs> it's just with that <laughs> yeah but, but i think you picked some great players i know the ben harper you know i'm a big fan of him and i know steven's on the album and yeah, I Steve saw Alanis there. Morissette which was uh I, I haven't heard from her in a while so that was cool right. to see her name pop up yeah, well, I think she's more doing the mother motherly thing right now, right. which is cool too, you know. Yeah, that makes sense. I yeah. mean, a lot of your music, uh, like family, is a theme amongst your music, you know. And for and obviously, as a child, you you know, and the the melody makers being all your siblings, and obviously mm. growing up in your household, I'm curious, like beyond the obvious reggae influence, what were some other records? that inspired you as a as a child? Do you remember like moments? I mean, besides playing with your own family too, did you have like certain artists that you were that you were following as a child? Yeah, I mean growing up as a child, all right, so this is the seventies, right? So yeah. we had our record players at home and um I don't know why I why I was like drawn to because it's not like my parents told me to listen to music or nobody like forced me to do anything. Right, right. But I was, uh, I don't know, I was kind of drawn to music and the albums and I would listen to play some of the album myself. You know, I don't, I don't even know what, when I think about it, I don't know how I even figured shit out that way, you know, I right. but I did. Right. Um, but it's funny, I, I have so much specific songs that I remember from my childhood coming up to now. And um, anytime, you know, someone asks me about songs like from my childhood and what I 
whether it inspire me or not, these are songs that I like enjoy to sing. You know, um, yeah. and the, the Glenn Campbell. It was Glenn Campbell is oh, the wow. first guy I remember. Yeah, Rhin, rhinestone cowboy, oh, like yeah. a rhinestone cowboy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's classic, man. You know. Yeah. I I'm a Glenn Campbell, right? Am I wrong? Or is that yeah, is it yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure that's right. Yeah. So that was one song that I would sing as a child. Um, he was also we also had um some Donna Summer stuff. Yeah. Jackson Five. Jackson Five was big. Yeah. Used to play Jackson Five, ABC, and all them type of song there. Right. Right. Um. Let's see, coming up, and then when I was a teenager, you know, in my teenage years, I I, I discovered. Sam Cooke and Marvin Gaye. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, which is, again, weird to me because it's not like I had those records. I mean, somebody in my family must have had those songs because I found yeah. them. Yeah, yeah. Cassettes or whatever, and I found yeah. some cassettes. And Sam Cooke was like my, my teenage years when I was trying to get girls. Sam Cooke. <laughs> yep, yep. He was only 16. <laughs> yeah. It's funny how those songs couldn't translate now. Imagine if you were writing songs about 16 and that. It's kind of funny. No, no. But, but uh, Sam Cooke, yeah, I mean, it was Sam Cooke and then Marvin Gaye. And, um, oh, yeah. That's this type of stuff I was drawn to for some reason. Uh, yeah, I never listened to a lot of radio. It was records, you know. And then my yeah. first album that I actually bought was um Michael Jackson Thriller. That was my first. Like I went oh, out yeah. and bought the album. So yeah. I was talking about that one yesterday because I just set up our my record. I still have vinyl records, you know, so I bring them every I just moved into the new house and we were and we were categorizing and alphabetizing and I pulled yeah, out yeah. the thriller record and it's the same one that I had when I was a kid and I used to have it in my backpack, you know, going to school. Yeah, uh, and whenever yeah. we'd show up to my friend's house, wherever we were hanging out, I'd find the record player and put that on. So it was like the theme, the theme songs of, of my mm -hmm. like, you know, childhood. Yeah, I mean, songs really, I mean, they really bring give you, bring you back to some moments in your life, you know, like, yeah. that you won't forget, yeah. Yeah. Uh, did your dad play a lot of records for you guys? Did he have, was he, did he like a lot of soul, he liked a lot of soul singers too, right? Yeah, but he didn't play any records. I mean, nah. you know, nah, I mean, most of the times they were on tour anyway, him and my yeah. mother. Right, right. So my, my grand aunt, she also had, you know what she had that I remember to some Nat King Cole. Oh yeah, she had some. She she used to love Nat King Cole. Yeah, yeah. She, I don't know. She was yeah. So we grew up with her. Um, when when the, she, when my parents were away, and I mean music, you know, sometimes really and truly, like living with her for a while. Yeah, we lived a very simple life, and sometimes you know, there wasn't any food in the fridge, but there was always music. It's like music. Yeah. Music, like, I don't know. They love music more than they love anything else, it seems to me. Because I tell you, I would look in the fridge and there would be nothing. But there would be albums and albums. I'm like, what's going on? <laughs> I hear that. I hear that. I can relate to that. I can relate to that. And did you ever travel with your family on tour when you were a kid? Yeah, well, I mean, with, um, you know, with my father. So my father, you know, my mother, we... They, I would we would go to some shows, but it was usually with me and my brother Stephen. Yeah, yeah. Um, because yes, the the older boys, you know, we would yeah. go with them. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the most memorable trip with him was to Zimbabwe. 
yeah. To be at that concert and to like be dancing on stage and all that stuff. And the One Love concert too, which was very significant. Oh, that was that was huge. Yeah, me and my brother would always jump on on the last song, which normally is is Exodus, and that would be like yeah. the energy song, and we were like, yeah, yeah, like crazy, you know, yeah. Wow, that's crazy. I mean, it, it's crazy to think how. Let's see, that was. Um, well, this year would have been your dad's seventy fifth birthday, right? And you guys had some yeah. some tours planned that you know. Yeah. And now, now hopefully they'll still happen, right? But they're getting postponed. Yeah, yeah. But hopefully next year. The the One Love concert being you know what forty years ago or or longer, mm-hmm. would you have ever imagined that we'd still be in this state? You know of racism and chaos and you know. It, I mean, would you? Could you have ever imagined that this that this far ahead that we would have still been here? Yeah, no, I mean, you know, it's frustrating in a way because you know we try to use music as a tool for change, and we hope yeah. people listen and people change. But I don't know, man. It's it's frustrating. It's kind of frustrating, but yeah. it's something that we just have to keep, you know, working towards. We, we have right. to keep, we can't stop. We just got to keep working towards it. And music is an important part of that. Um, of that thing. And I feel like, you know, if, if we had more like music being, being um, spread to people that like, at least not more, but a balance between like the more commercial stuff and something of more, with more like message or a positive thing. I think if we had more like good music being, permeated through the the, 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 the the airwaves. I think things would be much better because music is imp- very important in, in, in that whole um in the whole struggle for justice, equality and unity and love. Absolutely. Music inspires. So we need more of these type of music to be um be be accessible to listeners. Right now, you know, it kinda skewed the pop culture kinda skewed towards a certain um, type of musical expression or certain type of um, way of portraying individuals which kind of leave out the consciousness out of the music. I think it's important. It would be really good if more conscious music can be um, promoted, you know? Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, if you know what I'm saying. I'm trying to explain it, but I'm fumbling around a little bit. There is a lot of conscious and positive music being created but you a lot of the the sometimes i call them the gatekeepers that mm-hmm. that actually control the radio and the airwaves keep that out you know and sometimes yeah. they they will um promote music where it doesn't necessarily care about the message you know that yeah. it's sending um one thing that i will say is that you know in my life of touring you know i've toured for 20 years and and being uh, like your music and your family's music has um, penetrated every culture. You know, I mm. think the one thing that I've always like, because we toured in Africa and Brazil and Japan, and the one constant <laughs> that I hear in every single country is the music of your family and your legacy. And in, in whether it was your music, the Melody Makers, or or your father, um, mm. have been very, very powerful upon like every nation uh so i think that's a a very very 
you know, positive legacy that you guys have, uh, and you guys continue to portray, you know, I've, and now, you know, I know there's many generations of Marley's to come that are making great music. So it's, it's a beautiful thing. And I wonder if you guys knew, did you guys know that when you were creating the Melody Makers that you would continue this to impact the world with this, with music? No, I mean, no, you, you, never, you never really think about these things at the time. Right, um, right. I think it's now much later that I'm thinking about it in that terms. But I remember a time when I was really like, because I was so, I guess I, I am impatient, but I was so like, um, enamored with the idea of music and like the world changing and you know becoming better and stuff like that. But one, I mean, I was so much into that idea that one time I really got like kind of down and like, man, this music thing ain't this. What nothing is happening, nothing is changing. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> you know, like what am I doing? You know, like yo, come on, make you know, waste of time or what? I'm trying to like understand what my purpose is or what, you know, what the heck am I supposed to be doing? Nothing, nothing happening. I still see this shit that's been going on, you know, but after a while I kind of got out of that oppression or depression. Yeah. yeah. And kind of realized that, bro, you just have to do what you do. You know what I mean? It, everything counts. Everything counts. And every show that you do, all those people that are in the show, you're helping them and yeah. they're going on with that feeling and, and, and they are bringing that energy wherever they go. Yeah. So it actually is a lot more than you realize. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, probably. <laughs> you know what I mean? And also <laughs> yeah. that the music is everywhere. Like I've been I I remember, you know, being on very in very remote places and hearing, you know, Marley music and it affects people and it it makes people feel good. And it comes back to, yeah. you know, making the family album and you know, sometimes making music that just makes people feel good, feel good. is yeah, actually yeah. More, as powerful as as having a political statement. I think they're yeah, both yeah. important, but some, true. I think sometimes just taking your these people away from the issues and just making them feel good is the can be the most impactful. You know. Yeah, I think I did that at one point. I, I came, I like made a decision. All right, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna sing political. I was like, all right, you know, let me just let me go, let me go to the spiritual place, right, right, um, and and just sing about my own emotional state and you know myself or what's happening inside of me instead of thinking about what's happening outside of me, and it and it did um, it, it's liberating to do that, and and it it um, opens up a side of you that people can connect to more than just like here's a political statement or here is you know. Right, right. I think people more connect to like a real emotional um human expression more than you know this is what's going on in the streets or whatever whatever you know so yeah. i felt I felt that brought me back to a balance because it's all about balance with me it's all about balancing both sides you know the the feel good side and the, the message side you know is a is a is a fine balance but you you're right man sometimes just feeling good is you know. Is is a is a great thing, you know. Also, expressing uh, and putting down musically or on paper what you're experiencing at the time, because like you know, during the quarantine, one of the silver linings to what's been happening recently is that I think all of us are slowing down a little bit, you mm -hmm. know, and spending more time with family, more time with yeah. friends, and you know, 
it seems like the the, the music of this record reflects reflects that, you know. More family time. That's what it's about. Yeah, exactly. It's exactly what it is. <laughs> exactly. And, and uh, also, so it's a sequel because 2009, uh, I was yeah. listening to a little bit of that uh, today. You made the, the original family time. And was it kind yeah. of the same inspiration where you were, you, you were hanging out with your kids and it was inspired by them? Yeah, that one was inspired by Judah. Who is, she's now 15. Right, right. So she, whatever age she was at the time, she was the one that started me going off on that album um, with a song called I Love You Too because like one day she was in the kitchen and I just walked in and she was like I love you and she was like a little baby girl you know <laughs> yeah 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 I was like oh I was like oh I love you too <laughs> yeah and then that inspired you know but I mean this this album I feel like um, you know it was because it was done during the quarantine I mean yeah it was really a, a, a more family effort. And we did it at home. The last, the one before was done in a studio. I had like, yeah. Dan, Dan was, was producing at a big band and all of that stuff. This one was a more intimate um, sessions. Right. Um, yeah. I like that. I like that. Yeah. Well, I know. So I also know that you've been in, involved in some charity work and philanthropy over the years. Yeah. And I've been reading a little bit about that. I know you. You were a supporter of the Little Kids Rock uh, yeah. organization, which really bring ki- brings you know gets instruments in kids' hands and yeah. and spreads the music. And then uh, the urge I was learning about urge unlimited resources yeah. giving enlightenment. Yeah, what is that? Where, how did that? How did that come about? Well, that started long time. We started that in Jamaica. It was a Jamaican organization right. years ago when when we used to do charity work in Jamaica. Gotcha, gotcha. But it's just like it's like one of those things that you imagine and you just make it be a reality, or right, you know, and then right. you come up with an idea. But Absolutely. the charity work, the charity work that we do is has been we've been doing that. That's the example we grew up with, and we've been doing that even before we had an organization. It's just this is a part of who we are, yeah, as human. Real. This is a really who we are, you know. And once we can give back to the community, we will always do that. There's no. That's just. That's just being a good neighbor, you know what I'm saying? So, right, right. Yeah. And I also have been checking out some of the different businesses, like the House of Marley, which uses all the sustainable products and, and creating mm. headphones. And have, have you always been kind of business-minded like that, or is that just something that you got the family as a whole works on? Well, you know, my father was very business-minded. I'm a yeah. mother. Yeah, because they they started they started this thing. They started selling records, trying to be independent. Yeah, from the beginning, from their from their start. And when I was around my my parents as a child, the idea of independence and doing your own business and stuff like that was always in the ear. I always had like heard little snippets of um, independence and you know owning your own business. So my father. Um, had his own record shop, printed his own T-shirts, manufactured his own records. Right. Had his own studio. He was a businessman too. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, I'm not, I don't think I'm a businessman, but with with my father's legacy, I am kind of a guiding force in right. terms of making sure um, the the philosophy, the spirituality, the essence of my father's message Um is relatable to the products that carry his name or his brand you know what i'm saying so that's the type of person i am that's how i fit into the structures like 
just a guide for like that's not right no we, I won't, we wouldn't do that I wouldn't do that Bob wouldn't do that right. that's not something that you know what I'm saying so that's where I fit in we'll be right back after this short break I know the the seventy fifth uh, anniversary, seventy fifth birthday, like concerts that you guys were putting together. Was that a collaborative? I know you were. It was you and Steven. Was some, was uh, who else yeah. was involved in that? It was mainly me and Steven. Yeah. You know, for do some shows. Yeah. Cool, cool. As you know, the two brothers. Then we 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 are the most. We were the ones who were around Bob the most. You know, right. We, had, we get the, we got the most of Bob out of all the kids. Them, you know. Right. Right. Yeah. And do you guys have have a lot of memories of like making making music together as kids when as kids with with your dad? Oh yeah, with me and Steve, we used to rehearse all the time. Just nobody had to tell us, nobody had to force us. We just used to do that shit all the time <laughs> at home. <laughs> we used yeah. to just play music, man. We used to like we used to first we used to have the cassette, so we used to record on the cassette. Yeah. Then we got two cassette players, so we could record and overdub. Oh yeah. And figure out how it. Yeah. Then we finally got a four track, then we got an eight track, then years after we got a twenty four track. Right, so, right. Just keep building. Yeah, me and Steve been doing it together for a long time, you know. And did you play guitar when you were young like that, or you started just singing first? No, we started messing with guitar first. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, and then you know start writing some songs here and there. Do you remember what your first songs were? Yeah, my first song was about a girl. It was yeah, like of course. a brown-eyed baby. I love you to my heart and I'm never going to part. I'll never forget that song. Oh, yeah. That's good. <laughs> never, That's good right no, there. Never, never recorded it, though. Oh, yeah? Well, maybe song. we got to do that. We may, have to, we may have to bring that up and cut that one. <laughs> yeah. With Bob, like when he was writing songs, he would like call us. Hey, oh, yeah. you'd hear him shout, hey, come, come sing. Yeah. And he would, like, we would like sing with him when he's writing his, some of his songs, you know? Wow. So did you were you around when he wrote uh some of the songs that have like, you know, become, you know, these staples of, of reggae music? Yeah, man, could you be love and stuff like that. I mean, some of the songs weren't weren't the songs that they are when yeah. they were finished, you know what I mean? They were they were just ideas like floating around. So it's not like we knew, oh, this was the name of that song or that was the name of that song, but the words, you could hear the words, you know. Right. I can't remember the words from Could You Be Love, our redemption song, you know? Yeah. Floating around, yeah. I remember hearing, I used to listen, there was like a compilation. I don't even, there was so many recordings of your dad's music that weren't yeah. official, you know? And I used to get all these tapes. Now it's probably all on online, but, yeah. you know, I'd always be searching. And uh, I remember coming across that acoustic medley and it seemed like it was a bunch yeah. of the songs he was writing and different sketches. Right, right. And yeah. it had like the This Train, which was like an old gospel song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a bunch of those other songs. And I was just like, man, he must have had so He must have been writing all the time. Well, hey, no, man. That man never put on him guitar, man. That man was like constant. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool, man. I mean, either, is there a lot of recordings that no one's ever heard too? Um, there's a few, there's a few left um, yeah. that we still have, but yeah, there's a few left. 
there was just bootlegs coming out. I remember just all, all the time of different recordings. I mean, I'm sure some of them were really old, like the Studio One stuff and yeah, and uh, the acoustic stuff. But I loved always finding new. There was always yeah. new new music. I saw that you had a singing group called Seven Doobies. <laughs> Do you remember this? Yeah, that was from that was from we call that elementary school. We were in a play. Right. We were in a play, and were, we were in a play. It was a play. It was um, based upon Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. Oh, okay. It was called oh, Samantha so and the Seven that... Doobies. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I was like, I was like the head doobie. Right. Right. But and... doobie is is doobie is that a word for a joint too? Or? Yeah, it is. It is. So we nobody knew that. I'm sure they wouldn't have because <laughs> we were kids. Right. I'm sure the school right. the school would have changed that if they knew. Yeah. Yeah. Seven doobies. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> And when did you move to to the states? Well, we've been in and out of the states over years. You know, yeah, um, yeah. when my father moved to Delaware, we lived in Delaware for a little bit. Yeah, in the seventies, then we came back to Jamaica. But I came to I've I've been in LA since like my daughter. She's fifteen, so about fifteen yeah. years. Right. Yeah. Right. And then the other thing that I learned um, it, it recently is that you were you, the name Ziggy actually came from Ziggy Stardust. And that you're no, a sir, no, sir. No, is that not right? No. And I listen every time I hear that story, I have to tell people this story. Okay, now David I need Bowie, to know. Me, me, me and David Bowie talked about it. Okay, we were at a, a benefit concert for the Dalai Lama in a New York years ago, and David Bowie was on it. So he, me and him start talking, and him asked me, like, you know, him say. You name Ziggy and yeah, I'm saying to him, he asked me what, what year I was born and I told him nineteen sixty eight. Yeah, yeah. And so he said, Okay, so it wasn't it wasn't me then. I, I said, No, it wasn't then I was named after you. No. Yeah. So, no, so Ziggy, um Ziggy is a small joint, it's a small spliff, you know. Oh, okay, okay. It's a Ziggy, that when I'm a little small, I'm saying, give me a Ziggy. I'll give you a Ziggy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Well, they got to correct that on the internet. They, they're saying I don't know. They still, I don't know. You can't believe all you read on there, though. Uh, so, what's up next for you, man? I mean, I know uh, we don't know when the touring is gonna is gonna happen, but uh, obviously the album comes out, and uh, you know, do you have any more plans of recording and and uh, doing anything? Yeah, else? man. I mean, you know, I just start kind of get back in the mood to go in the studio because I took some. I took a little break after working on this album. So I'm just like, I was just in the studio this morning, you know, putting on some words. So I'm starting to feel that that fever again. All right, it's time yeah. to get back in the studio. Um, but in terms of release, I don't know yeah. when they're releasing anything else. But I know I want to start putting on some ideas down, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's good. And hopefully we'll get the, you and Steven will get these shows back on. It's hard to say with, with, uh, the COVID situation when touring yeah. will go up again, though. Yeah, but you know, we did a viral thing. I did a viral tribute. Yeah. On YouTube, yeah. So that was good to actually do that. I think Stephen is going to do one too oh, to cool. celebrate the seventy-fifth um, birthday of Bob. Right, right. So I, I did one, and he's going to get ready to do one right now. Yeah. What do you think about? Are you learning some of this new technology and 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 doing video stuff and and streaming, or what are your thoughts on that stuff? Yeah, I mean, you know, you have to adapt to the situation. We musicians, we have to adapt to and figure out. You know, we can't stop. Nothing can stop us. So we just have to figure out. All right, how do we get the music out? How do we communicate with people? Connect with people, even though we can't see them face to face. So we just have to. I mean, 
I'm thankful that we have the technology to do it, you know. It's, it's I mean, it's something that we have to um, figure out as we go along. But so far, I've been doing a few, a, a few um, like, you know, playing music, streaming, and I did some charity events too, raised some money by, you know, doing some streaming stuff too. So it's been good. It's been good. People are very open to it and happy to connect even through that means, you know. Yep. I mean, it would have been really hard to be uh to have the this happen 10 or 15 years ago without the mm. internet and without the ability to to share music with each other even for me like wow. I'm, I'm i'm recording a record of my own and i'm sending yeah. tracks to everybody at different studios and yeah, uh, but imagine what that would be like man that yeah. would be crazy <laughs> it would have been hard to function man and like yeah. do, and do stuff like this you know like i yeah you know it's uh I'm just glad that we can still connect. I mean, it's, there's nothing like being face to face and being in this yeah. room with someone else. But, you know, even right now, you know, with family, we can FaceTime yeah. and do yeah, things yeah, like yeah. this, you know? Yeah. So I'm yeah, thankful for that much. Yeah. Well, the album comes out September 18th. Um, it's more family time. And, uh, I've also been following you you on Instagram and things like that, and you're always keeping things updated. I saw you got uh, Camp Wagwan going uh, with, <laughs> with with your kids over there. You said, keeping you said them that active. good. Yeah, I said it good. All right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what's up with the what's up with Camp Wagwan? I mean, yo, it, I mean, we've been doing it since the quarantine stuff. We're, we're kind of yeah. late, like putting out videos and stuff right now, but yeah. It was something that, like, you know, like, had to find something for us to do. It was summer. The kids didn't have school. Yeah, yeah. They, usually, they would go to camp. So, I like, yo, let, let's just make... We're going to do our own camp. Let's find some shit to do. Play some ball, plant some food, climb some trees, do some scavenger hunts, swim. Yeah. Just, like, let's just do some stuff we never did before. Build some stuff. Build yeah. some forts, you know? Just get busy, you know? Yep. Keep active. Yeah. Well, that's positive. You're gonna be you're gonna be pretty active in a few weeks too. Oh yeah, I'll be you better out. get enough sleep. You better get enough sleep. Right I'm now. trying to get sleep now to be prepared so when my baby comes, I'll, I'll be okay. But then we've been moving and doing so much, so so it's Yo, hard, you're man. Gonna be get, it's gonna get busy, brother. I know it is. I know it is, man. Good busy. Good busy. Uh, well, I'm excited to hear the album. I know Buster Rhymes is on there. Tom Morello yeah. is on there. You have like a, a stacked list of of great artists and collaborators. And uh, man, I just want to th say thanks for for coming on the show and speaking with me. Yeah, man, always good for talk to you, Eric. Yeah, um, absolutely, man. And hopefully, we can make music uh, again one of these days too, man. Yeah, we have to, bro. You know, you know what we want to do, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Connect up and mush up some things together, definitely. make some crazy stuff happen. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, man. Well, thanks again, and uh, we'll be in right, touch brother. soon. All right, bro. Yeah, man. Take care. Yeah, Take respect. Care. Yeah, man. So great to have Ziggy on the show. I want to thank him for coming on. And before we leave, we're going to actually listen to a song off of his new record, More Family Time. And this one is featuring the great Angelique Joe. It's called Jumbo. Hey, this is a song from Kenya in the language of Swahili. From Africa. Hello, mister. Hello, sister. No problem, no worries. Oh, yeah. Jambo, Jambo Buana, Abaregani, Muzuri Sana, Wageni, Wakaribishwa.
Eric Krasno Plus One is hosted by me, Eric Krasno. 
Executive producers are RJB and Christina Collins. Audio production by Matt Dwyer. Produced by myself and Ben Baruch of 1111 Group. All original music is by me, and most of which are instrumentals from my album, Telescope, under the artist name Kraz. This podcast is presented by Osiris Media. If you'd like to get in touch with us, email Kraz plus one at Gmail. That's K-R-A-Z-P-L-U-S-O-N-E at gmail.com. Send me some questions. Maybe I'll answer them on air. Send me suggestions of other guests you'd like to hear on the show. Thanks again for tuning in. See you next time.